Hi. If you enjoy Law to Fact, I want to tell you about another podcast I host. It's called Legal Tensor, and with the same blend of fun and substance as Law to Fact, guests join me to discuss timely legal issues. It's a great way to gain insights and to help you start a conversation on legal stuff that matters. It's available on all the usual podcast platforms. And while you're at it, if you could subscribe or like either of our podcasts, it would be super helpful. And now here's an episode of Law to Fact. Hello, this is Leslie Garfield Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. Today I'm speaking with my colleague Josh Galprin about promissory estoppel. Hi, it's Leslie Garfield Tenzer, and this is Lot of Fact. And today we're doing something a little different. Today, I am lucky to have my colleague, Josh Galfrin, interview me. We both teach contracts at the Elizabeth Health School of Law, and this is going to be really fun for me, and I know fun for you. Definitely. So let's talk about promissory estoppel. Okay. Can I, can I just add that we're in the same room, which people haven't done for a long time? We're in the same room, right. You know, especially nice. on podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So this is very nice. Yeah. Maybe the most important of all your podcasts. I think it will. That's true. Okay, so I'm actually getting ready to teach my contracts class, uh, promissory estoppel, right after our our well, I guess after a small break. Um, so I'm hoping you can help me since you've got some more experience <laughs> with this. So promissory estoppel is, is about contract formation, right. but it's it's not about contract formation. Right. So can you sort of like orient me to how 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 should we think about promissory estoppel? Right. Well, promissory estoppel is the plaintiff's friend in many ways, and here's why. We have legal contracts, right? Offer, acceptance, consideration, assent. That's a legal contract. If there's a breach of a legal contract, you're entitled to a legal remedy. And pretty much contract says we only want to award legal remedies. We don't like to give money. We don't like to give damages for gifts. We don't like to give damages for past consideration because if we open up the floodgates, the courts will be um, flooded, <laughs> lack of a better word. And so we don't like to do that. But promissory estoppel is a situation where it says, you know what? You're not entitled to a legal remedy, but we feel really bad for you. And so we'll give you what's called an equitable remedy. Equity, fairness, right? You don't, you shouldn't get it. It's, it's, it's not a legal right but we're gonna give you an equitable right. So we think about poor Mrs. Feinberg, right? So Mrs. Feinberg worked for Mr. Pfeiffer. Mr. Pfeiffer said, you've done such a good job. I'm gonna give you $200 a month when you retire. He didn't say in exchange for you retiring, this was past consideration. And we say, poor Mrs. Feinberg, she doesn't get any money from the contract. This wasn't a contract. There was an offer, I'll pay you $500, there were $200, there was acceptance, but he didn't get a bargain for exchange. Because, because she isn't giving anything up to get that $200. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's exactly right. So then we all feel very good for Mrs. Feinberg, right? The courts felt bad for Mrs. Feinberg too. And they said, you know what? You are not entitled to something legal. We're going to give you something equitable. But as you can imagine, if we're just going to give away what inequity, we still have to have some rules. And that's where promissory estoppel comes in. It is a three-pronged kind of rule that says, even though you can't have a legal remedy, we'll give you an equitable remedy in this situation. So it's an escape hatch. If the facts, if the facts are wrong to make a contract, but they're right in terms of 
principles of justice. I love that. I love that. It's an escape hatch. That's exactly right. Great. That's exactly right. Uh, this is perhaps uh, too much of an aside, but I often find that, I, that students will ask me to explain equity in more detail. And I have a short answer I can give, but since I'm not sort of a legal historian, I, I always um, struggle to get into much discussion of it. So can, can you help me figure out, like, I know what equity means. I understand the principles that there used to be a, a legal system, a court of law mm-hmm. and a court of equity, but like, what can you tell me to help me understand that distinction well, a little better? First, I'm going to ask you, what do you tell your students? I tell my students that historically, this is in, you know, medieval England, right. we had courts of law, which had very formal rules. You must show exactly these three or four elements. And if you can't show those elements, too bad. A, a right. great deal of formality, which is good because it pr- pr- promotes consistency and um, and expectations and so forth, predictability. But sometimes it's just really unfair. And basically the king was like, when the law courts don't really work for you, I will have these other people uh, sort of try to find ways to help you. And that's the equity courts sort of develop out of that concept. But sometimes law is going to screw you, right. but we still feel like we need to resolve this problem in, in a fair way. And in the U.S. system, historically, there were there were systems that had distinct law and equity courts. Delaware still has distinct law and equity courts. I'm from Delaware, so I remember that. Um, so semi-distinct. Mm-hmm. But it, by and large, they're just sort of like two different bodies of common law, one of which is actual common law, and the other is principles of fairness that sometimes can override common law. I, I would explain it exactly the same way. Oh, I mean, right. I think that's exactly right. The one thing I would say is that a judge can hear a case and decide, or, or, or a, a jury, but let's say the judge is acting as fact finder, he can hear the case and he could say, there's no legal remedy, I can give you an equitable remedy in this case. That's good. So it's from a civil procedure perspective, yeah. you don't need to bring a case in equity no. or in law. No. No. The, ju- the judge can sua sponte decide to offer, or maybe not, maybe it needs to be pled, but can offer relief even if it's, if it's, brought as a claim in law right okay well and and, you know that but that's the beauty of promissory estoppel which is section nine i was is it nine or 71 i don't even know i'm gonna say 71 this is where editing editing is a beautiful thing well i I always tell my students that i I think have very few sections of the restatement memorized i you know what those are the ones like let me just say okay you see some restatement i did oh you're ucc you're looking for no i'm not oh good because i definitely wouldn't know that yeah, I don't, you know, by the way, I don't teach UCC and contracts. No, nor um, do I, other than oh, tell, for students okay. to understand what is UCC, what it's right, for. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, all right, so section 90 of the restatements has these very clear rules. I'm going to footnote that and say there's other times you can get equity, but to your point, we can't give money for, you know, just because we feel bad for someone. So right. if I say to my daughter, come to um california and visit me i miss you right mm-hmm. and she you know and when you come i will buy i will buy you dinner if she comes i don't think that she is a claim if i refuse to buy her dinner right. because you know there's other things she could do but if i say to my daughter come to i have not seen you come to california if you come to california then as an appreciation or in exchange for right. that act i should say yeah. I will, let's change that. I mean, I don't want to say appreciation. Okay, ready? Now. So section 90 has some very clear rules because the problem is we can't just give money in equity because we feel sorry for someone. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to good old Mrs. Feinberg for just another minute, she meets the elements of promissory estoppel. The um, offeror must reasonably expect that the offer relied on the offer. Well, anyone's going to 
think that someone's going to rely on a promise of $200, mm -hmm. especially back then, right? The offeree does rely on the promise. We saw that she factored that into her equation when she decided to um, retire. And injustice can only be avoided by not giving her the money. And we see that sometimes the court says, yes, there was promissory estoppel, but there's no injustice here. So you really need all three. But the point I want to make to your point is that equity, a, 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 um, damages in equity are not just because you feel bad for the person. Right. It's you feel bad for the person plus they meet these rules. Right. So, so the rules of equity actually look like the rules of law. Right. They're just, they sometimes substitute for the rules of law, but it's not as if it's a totally open-ended, um, free form, the judge gets to decide. That's right. And sometimes what the courts do, or, or even what, what scholars do, is they call promissory estoppel a substitute for consideration. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with that. Okay, interesting. Here's my problem with that. Promissory estoppel could be a substitute for consideration because, you know, I offer to buy you a diamond ring, you accept my offer, right? Mm -hmm. But there's no consideration because I'm not seeking anything in exchange for giving you that ring or buying right. you that ring. So in that case, you could say promissory estoppel would be a substitute if you relied on that promise. But promissory estoppel also kicks in anytime there's no contract. So for instance, if my 17-year-old son goes out and buys a moped, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he drives the moped and then he decides, oh, I'm only 17, mm -hmm. I want out. Right. There's no enforceable contract, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no legal contract, no legal damages. Promissory estoppel could kick in there or equitable damages if there's no promise. Right. Okay, so promissory estoppel is, is a substitute for consideration, but it's also a substitute for contracts for other reasons. If there's a, a defense that can void the contract, mm -hmm. it, how about if there is a statute of frauds issue? Yeah, I, I think, and, and, and we should expand this, but I think that promissory estoppel, or, and that's a subset of equitable relief, right. right? So equitable relief is available whenever a legal remedy is not available. A legal remedy is not available if there's no legal contract. Right. So if a contract fails under the statute of frauds, there's no contract, right? Right. So you can't have a legal remedy because there's no breach. So for whatever reason, there's not a legal contract. Equitable remedies, promissory estoppel can 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 pop up as the escape patch. All right. So I've got another question. Okay. I don't know how much time we have, but I got, at least, I got at least two is more this questions. Fun? This is fun. <laughs> so um, if, if an equitable uh, contract, a promissory estoppel substitutes for consideration or otherwise creates a contract, in equity instead of, which is, I guess, not exactly the right language, creating a contract in equity. You don't really create a contract yeah. in equity. So, so that's, I guess, getting to the question yeah. is, it's it's not really a, like a substitute for consideration because it's not saying we're filling in the blank of consideration with promissory estoppel and therefore we still have a contract because we don't have a contract. Right. So does that mean that the, that the possible remedies change as well? Well, no, yes and no. I would say, all right, so to answer your first question first, which is why we have a similar problem. Mm -hmm. The reason why I think people call promissory estoppel the substitute for consideration is because if you have promissory estoppel, you get a remedy. Right. You don't get a legal remedy, you get an equitable remedy. So the idea is if you have offer acceptance and consideration, you have a legal cause mm -hmm. of action if there's a breach. And if you have offer acceptance and promissory estoppel, you have an equitable cause of action. But that is not 
then what I'm saying. So will that necessarily change the remedies that are available? Do you still get damages? Can you only get an equitable remedy? So yeah, so you still get damages, but the damages tend to be restitution or reliance. You don't get expectation. I mean, I'm sure there's a time, but I've not really seen a time with expectation damages because you didn't expect the contract to be performed. You know, so I don't think you get expectation. So to... I also teach torts. You also teach I torts, do. right? Yes. Okay. So the it, it's sort of like switching from the contract theory of damages uh-huh. to the torts theory of damages. Okay. We sort of we're we're not we're not putting somebody where they expect to be if the contract is performed under equitable remedies. We're saying, look, this was unfair to you, so we're going to give you something, but we're just going to make you whole and put you back where you would have been if you've never gotten into this mess in the first place, as opposed to where you would have been if the contract was, was carried out. And that's exactly right. Okay. I think that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing I think we need to talk about is that, as we said earlier, promissory estoppel is a subset of equitable remedies. And this goes to what you're saying. So for instance, if I'm trying to think of a good hypothetical where there, oh, I'll give you a hypothetical. So um, it's, it's the case, the, the um, pro- pre-contractual liability case mm-hmm. of Red Lion. So Hoffman versus, I think, Red Owl. Yeah. Hoffman versus Red Owl. So Red Lion is also a grocery store, I think. Yeah, it is, yeah, okay. but that's a different case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is there a Red Lion case too? There was a big <laughs> Red Lion case, anyway. Um, so Red Owl. So poor Mr. Hoffman does all these things in anticipation of what he hopes will be a promise mm-hmm. to buy mm-hmm. a grocery store, right? So he moves his family and he gets a bake, you know, sells his bakery and all these things. Never was there a promise to buy the grocery store. So we don't have any promise. So there's no promissory estoppel. Mm You need a promise to have promissory estoppel. But the court said, even though there was no promise and there was no contract because they never signed a contract to sell him the store, the, the grocery store, it's still unfair. So we look to equity under principle of reliance damages. He relied on... He reasonably relied on things that the you know Lukowitz, who was the guy who worked for them, mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. So, restitution—you can get restitution and reliance damages even if there's no equitable. I mean, I'm sorry, you can get restitution and reliance damages even if there's no promissory estoppel, but you still need a reasonable reliance on the promissory. Gotcha. So, reliance—the sort of reliance theory—is like an umbrella theory. Promissory estoppel is a specific form of reliance. Is that a fair way to? Yes, but I would change that a little bit. I would say that equitable remedy okay. is is the remedy, and in that basket is promissory reliance, promissory estoppel, mm-hmm. and it's conf- You're right, because here's the problem: if the plaintiff proves sufficiently promissory estoppel, and they're entitled to equitable remedies. Uh-huh. What equitable remedies do they get? Do they get reliance damages? Do they get restitution damages? They could get one or the other, right? If the plaintiff cannot prove promissory estoppel, but can still prove that they reasonably relied on the activities of the promissory, same quotes, they can get reliance damages. So promissory estoppel is the easiest way to get an equitable remedy because you can prove the promise, right? But... There are instances like pre-contractual liability, and um, there's a few others where you can still get the equitable remedy. So I would say, if I were going to look at this analytically, the first thing I'd say is, is there a legal contract offer acceptance? Right, sure. If there's not, right, then I call it plan B. Let's go to plan okay, B. Okay, yeah. Is there an equitable remedy? And then if I'm deciding if there's an equitable remedy, the first thing I'd say is, is there a promissory estoppel? 
And I can only see promissory estoppel if there's a promise. Mm -hmm. Is there no promise? If there's no promise, are there some kind of reliance or um, restitution damages that justice, you know, that an injustice would be served if we don't award it? How how, um, explicit does a promise need to be? So in the in the it's the Feinberg mm-hmm. example, right? The mm-hmm. promise is explicit. I will give right. you two hundred dollars right, right, right. in Hoffman v. Red Owl, There is not a promise, right. but the, but but the court could have implied a promise. I know. They, I know. I, they could have, but that's the point. But I they didn't. They, they, they didn't, didn't need to. They didn't need. Well, I don't know if they didn't need to. I don't know if they could. Like that's the thing, and I think about that case a lot. Yeah, that's sad. That's what I do. It's a good case. I'm thinking about what was the promise? Like, they, they never, from what I understand, and I could be wrong, I don't think he ever said, if you do A, B, C, and D, we promise to make a contract. Yeah. I think they said, oh, this will look good to the home office. Oh, this will look good to the home office. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not if you sell your business right. and you move to this new right. town right. and you open up this new right. store, right. we will definitely do it. It's you should do these things before right. so that you'll be in a position to. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That makes sense. So, okay. So then it, you mentioned this before, but the elements of promissory estoppel are, can you repeat them just a bit? Yes. Yeah, okay. okay. The first is that the promisor reasonably relied on the promise. Okay. The second is that, no, I'm sorry. The first is that the promisor expected the promisee to reasonably rely on the promise. So there's this objective reasonableness. Okay. The second is that the promisee did, in fact, rely okay. on the promise. So that's subjective. And the third is that injustice can only be avoided by remedying the promise. Not justice will be served, but injustice can only be avoided. Gotcha. That's really interesting. How would you, can you think of a hypo where that, articulate the two different articulations would lead to different outcomes that is not justice will be served but the mm-hmm. justice can only be served oh that's such a tough yeah, question I know, i'm sorry I mean, <laughs> the me, yes, so now I wanna... yes that is really a tough question um well you know there's a case where it's cone cows i don't know cows cone there's a case where a reporter is promised that they will not um disclose his source okay and i'm sorry the newspaper promises that they will not disclose the source of someone who's telling them a story got it they disclose the source the guy loses his job Mm -hmm. right so did the promisor rely on uh, did the promisor reasonably expect the promisee to rely on the promise absolutely right yeah you think you're did the promise you rely on the promise yes he told the story can justice be served well what justice is there right Yes, he lost his job, but he was also a jerk because he told a story that he shouldn't have told, right? right? And it's unclear whether he really needs justice because he really, this was a, a guy who basically told a story about his politician opponent. Oh. But the court said injustice can only, can, be, can only be avoided because the injustice is that we're now saying to future, um, what's, what do we call people who tell people stories, future sources, sources. Yeah, you know, that you you better, there's, you have a risk. Okay. I don't know if that's the best example. No, but that makes that's sense. Like so, so the issue is, it's a policy analysis, right. more yeah. than a specific facts of the case analysis. Yes, I think that's true. What, what kind of injustice will happen right. if we 
in the future if right. we don't um, if we don't offer some remedy in right. this particular case. And like, and I, I know we keep coming back to poor Mrs. Feinberg when she rest <laughs> in peace, but like what happened there, which is that the husband paid the money. I mean, Mr. Pfeiffer paid the money. Mr. Pfeiffer, when he passed away, his widow paid the money. Mm-hmm. And then the son-in-law comes in and stops paying the money. Like, yeah. that's not cool. Yeah, I'm, I, I haven't brought this up in class yet, but so many of these conflicts are executors. Yeah. Uh, who are yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not going to Yeah, pay that's that. true. That's true. And it, not just in the promissory estoppel equity, equity space, but in, in contracts in general. Right. Things are working out because people want to, people who know each other deal fairly mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But then the third party, who might be some random banker, comes in or a, or a, or an right. in law or something right. in-law. doesn't know <laughs> right doesn't yeah. know anybody, uh-huh. and all of a sudden things fall apart. It's, right. it's really interesting to to, right. to see. I mean, right. it's a, a lesson that transfers, I guess, from trust and estates into contracts. Yeah, sure. I have a theory um, in contracts called the good guy always wins. Okay. Because it really, if you look at it. Like there's a, yeah, and this also, so past consideration is mm-hmm. not consideration, right? So there's, there's a case in the book where, um, so there's a case in the book where a employee saves the employer from harm. Getting crushed by something. Crushed right? by, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. And he suffers horrible harm. Yeah. Now, past consideration <clears throat> is not consideration, right? Mm-hmm. So in the case that you read right before that, where somebody took good care of someone's son, and in appreciation, the father said, I'm going to pay yes, you. And the yes. court says, you know what? You don't get anything. This is Mills v. Wyman. No, oh, look yes. at you. Right. That was, uh, this is the, Mills v. Wyman was, I remember because it was the first case when I was a first year law student that I was called. Oh, there court. you go. So I was in the hot seat for that case. So I remember it. I was Garrett versus Dalen. <laughs> That's a pretty good one too. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Anyway, um, so the bottom line is that the court gave a remedy, right? Yep. In the Harrington case. I think they felt bad for this guy. He, hmm. you know, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's just kind of my yeah. interpretation. It makes sense. Yeah. I, I I teach a case called um, uh, Schnell v. Nell. Yes. And and that case, I would say the, the good guy doesn't necessarily win. Yeah, that's true. Although it's a relatively minor dispute, but mm-hmm. right, he, this is the case where a woman, um, and there's also a lot of other social justice issues in play here, but a, a woman, a wife, mm-hmm. wills her property to three relatives. In Indiana in 1860 or something, and it mm-hmm. turns out that in Indiana women aren't allowed to own property. Right. So everything she thought she was 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 giving to her family was actually her husband's property. Oh wow. That's a huge problem to begin with, right. which you can't really ignore when you're teaching the case. Right. But then he says, well, the husband says to, the, to these three, I promise to pay it to you, and we'll sign a contract. But the the consideration in that contract is because I love my wife. Well, that's not great. That's not consideration. Right. Right. Um, be. Uh, because you're promising not to sue to enforce mm-hmm. the will, mm-hmm. but that's not consideration because there's no claim, there's there's no even reasonable belief that there could be a claim because women can't own property. Right. And for one one cent, you give me one cent, I'll give you two hundred dollars, and then you have a, a, a sort of a, 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 an inadequate consideration, which is in one of these rare instances where the courts will find right. consideration right. adequate. They probably should have brought that in equity. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah, but they didn't. But I'm I. I think, you know, and this goes back to one of the things we said before, and then we can wrap up, but is that I don't think you, I, I, I think the same court can decide in law and inequities. Right, that, right. That's what I'm so, all right. So here's what I'm going to ask you. What is promissory estoppel? A promissory estoppel is an escape hatch, but you call, which I think I like you call that. plan B, which I like. <laughs> uh, if there is some reason there is not a legal contract, 
promissory estoppel creates an alternative remedy in equity, and uh, it's available for a variety of reasons that there might not be a legal contract. Could be that there's not consideration, could be that there's some defense of the contract. Uh, and specifically, promissory estoppel arises when there is a promise on which somebody reasonably relies, and justice or injustice can only be avoided by offering a remedy, even though the law doesn't offer a remedy. Couldn't have said it better myself. Perfect. So there you go. Thank you. Oh my God, this was so much fun. My students will notice that their, their lesson is better. When I, don't I, know about that. I think you have a career as a podcaster. <laughs> or a law professor. Hopefully. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, go on. Thanks Thank so much for joining me. This has really been fun. Thank you. Oh, yeah.